another angle that we could talk about is how those universities that do cater to a smaller audience, like 200,000 or less, um, have benefited from legacy admissions and from multiple generations attending the, the same college. But that is not immune from declining birth rates as well. As people have fewer and fewer children, right, the, the legacy admissions is not immune from that either. Yeah, generational impact is not something that we talk about a lot in these statistics. So I think that's an important one to note. Welcome to the EduData podcast, a podcast that serves as your weekly guide to the data driving higher education. We are your hosts. I'm Jamie Boggs. And I'm Timothy Davis. Join us every Friday for weekly breakdowns of the most important data, trends, and topics in higher education. The EduData podcast is a part of the Enrollify Network, a robust collection of podcasts designed to help higher education professionals like you grow. Explore our other shows at Enrollify.org or check out some of my personal favorites linked in the show notes below. Enrollify is made possible by Element 451, the leading AI-powered, all-in-one student engagement platform, helping institutions create meaningful, personalized, and engaging interactions with students. Learn more at element451.com. All right, welcome back to the EduData podcast, your resource for navigating the landscape of higher education data. I'm Timothy Davis, and joining me today is my co-host, Jamie Boggs. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Timothy. Happy to be here. Really excited about this topic. Uh, Obviously, it's got some negative connotations, but it's super important to discuss, so I'm Mm -hmm. glad we're able to. For sure. Get us started. Yeah, so last week we discussed the data that suggests that college applications are on the rise. Again, that doesn't mean more applicants necessarily. A lot of people are just casting a wider net, so they're submitting more applications, and it may make that a little bit misleading. And it makes us question, what's the trajectory moving forward? So today we're going to shift gears and talk about that. What are trends suggesting that future enrollment numbers don't look so great? Like we may be in for a more competitive landscape moving forward. And we're going to talk about the significant impact of declining birth rates on colleges and universities, painting a unique picture for challenges and opportunities for future students, families, and for institutions moving forward. Yeah. Well, there's this little known prediction that I don't think anybody's actually heard of, uh, called the enrollment cliff. What? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, if this is the first time you're hearing about it, let me let me tell you a little bit. But basically, this concept and this prediction uh, originates from economist Nathan Groff from Carleton College, and uh, they predicted a considerable drop in the college-going population of about 15% between 2025 and 2029, with a continued decline thereafter. And this decline they linked. Uh, to the reduced fertility during the economic uncertainty of 2008, the Great Recession. So we'll break that down um, and what that looks like for future populations and institutions in this episode, but the premise is pretty basic. If fewer babies are born in 2008, then there are fewer college-eligible young adults 18 years or so later. Right, and those lower birth rates, you would think there was the recession and then, I don't know, things always kind of come back to normal. Thankfully, they have at least historically So you would think that everything's going to even back out, but they continue to decrease, marking over a decade of decreased fertility in the United States. So this isn't something that's just going to be a one or two year issue. This is something that is going to shape the enrollment process for a decade, 
down the line after we hit that initial year of the cliff. So how will the fact that we were stuck at home for a year in the pandemic play into those birth rates? I would have to think that that's going to be an increase in 2020, but I could be wrong. We'll have to wait and see. I don't know the birth rates on those years, but uh, maybe that'll be a rebound year. But first, we need to talk about what the cliff means for all of us. Right. And so, you know, Gross forecasts indicate that while the demand for uh, maybe elite or, or rejective institutions is expected to remain relatively stable, regional four-year colleges may face a decline of over 11% in their student populations. Yeah, which is, which is fascinating that some schools will be affected very differently. And how do you, let's say you are a school, you are an elite institution, but you're in a bigger city. There's data to suggest there's a geographic significance in this role. So the Northeast, around the New York City area, there's all kinds of big cities in New England. It's going to be hit the hardest. It's believed that the more rural areas in the Midwest and the mountain states could see an increase in student demand due to there being fewer colleges, fewer students. So perhaps the big cities are going to be hit harder, but the elite institutions are not going to be hit as hard so what if you're an elite institution in a big city? What does that mean for you? Or what if you're a four-year school in the middle of North Dakota? What does that mean for you? So the there are so many angles to look at this that it's, it's, I don't know, it's very difficult to predict what it means for your institution, but we need to start thinking about that now, if not a year ago. Another angle that we could talk about is how those universities that do cater to a smaller audience, like 200,000 or less, um, have benefited from legacy admissions and from multiple generations attending the, the same college. Um, but that is not immune from declining birth rates as well. As people have fewer and fewer children, right, the, the legacy admissions is not immune from that either. Yeah, generational impact is not something that we talk about a lot in these statistics. So I think that's an important one to note. Graw also highlights the growing and changing cultural population impacts in the United States. There's a growing Asian American population in the United States, which could help to contribute to that increased demand for elite higher education. However, based on trends, it's unlikely to give any help to the less selective or the more accepting institutions out there. So it's not really going to help the the four-year state schools as much as it's going to help the Ivy League and the dynamics of our, of our population in America continue to change. But thanks to the Supreme Court, we're also not considering that an admission, but there are fewer babies. Yeah, just so many factors going into this that we factors, all need to be sure. aware of all of it. And it'll be interesting to see how other racial and ethnic groups that are also immigrating to the United States will behave in their college selection as well. Absolutely. Hey there, it's Jamie and Timothy from the EduData podcast, and we want to personally invite you to the Engage Summit this summer in Raleigh, North Carolina. The theme of the conference is AI Got You. We're not just talking theories. This conference is your guide to understanding and applying AI at your institution. By the end, you won't just get AI, you'll be ready to lead your campus through an AI transformation. It's for everyone who wants to use AI to level up everything you're doing. Whether your focus is to recruit or retain, the Summit offers a platform to learn, network, and bring back actionable insights to enhance your student engagement strategies. 
I hope you'll join us and some of our favorite Enrollify creators like Jamie Hunt, Dustin Ramsdell, and Artist Kadoo in Raleigh on June 25th and 26th. Use the discount code Enrollify50 and you can register for just $99. You do not want to miss this, so join us at the Engage Summit this June. Learn more and register at engage.element451.com. Can't wait to see you there. But for colleges and universities, this translates into fewer tuition dollars and budget constraints, potentially leading to program cuts and even closures. And that's why it's so important to start preparing for the decline now and anticipating it. Now, it's important to recognize these predictions aren't set in stone. They're based on sheer number of available college-age, college-going students. So banking on demographic changes, if you're trying to say, oh, well, we usually cater to this population, which is actually growing, that's still pretty risky. Or even to say, you know what, we're our population's the biggest decline, we're going to be in real trouble, may not necessarily be the case. And even though there's an increasing population of Asian and Hispanic Americans right now, we can't expect that that's going to offset the number of overall births that are happening in, in the overall population of the country. So uh, I wouldn't bank on certain populations to save your 2028 enrollment class. Uh, I think you need to start planning for other, other options. And another, another strategy that we're seeing a lot of emergence around is retention and uh, successfully keeping students for their four years and, and um, incentivizing them to stay at your institution. There's a phrase that it's like, it's easier to keep a customer than to lose one. And I think that 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 consideration could become uh, much more prevalent. Much more expensive to gain new Mm -hmm. customers than to retain customers. Absolutely. So keeping students and um, tapping into the transfer market will require more attention in the coming years to maintain budgets as long as possible. And, you know, we're, we're talking about a decrease in 18 to 20 year olds Hitting more of the non-traditional market, I think, could could be uh, a a big way to help help uh, decrease that gap. I don't know that it's going to fix it, but if you put enough little pieces in place, then it can make a big difference. And marking is going to be paramount during this time, during this recruiting process, when it's going to be even more competitive than it already is. I worked for a marketing agency during the height of the pandemic, and schools were freaking out and panicking and everybody was kind of desperate of fewer people are going to school. What are we going to do? And it's going to get even more competitive in the future because of this. So a smaller student pool, you got growing budgets. That's a really dangerous combination. So keeping up with the economics of supply and demand for students, their availability is critical. Get creative, get active, get busy trying to create a pipeline of students we, we usually start the recruiting process, uh, what, freshman, sophomore year of high school, just letting them know we're here, create a pipeline from certain, uh, certain school systems, from certain areas of which you recruit that's going to help mitigate some of this impact of the declining birth rates. Mm-hmm. Finding other markets, too. I mean, you kind of touched on that, but we saw a yeah. big movement towards that and during the pandemic, and as we were all online, we saw a lot of people returning to school continuing school, perpetual learners, right? So there's a lot of interest in ways that we can provide education offerings that are outside the traditional four-year, two-year model and provide education and resources to people long after they've gone through perhaps their bachelor program. 
And I think also the, the method of delivery. I know we went to a lot of online education more so than normal during the pandemic, but a lot of schools have gone back to, yeah, we're not going to do that hardly at all. May need to open that back up a little bit. Um, cast your net a little wider globally. Maybe you're going to recruit more international students. We talk about this being impacted by the, the U.S. economy going in the tank in 2008. Is there a particular... Uh, demographic internationally that could help you mitigate this? Are there going to be non-traditional students? Are there going to be dual enrollment opportunities for high school students? We've got to find ways to mitigate this. And and now is the time to plan for that. And I know a lot of schools already are. You've been told about this, Cliff, for a long time. But the more data we get, the more it suggests that it's going to be a long-term problem. So we're not looking how to close this gap for two or three years. We're looking what does it look like long-term if we're seeing a 10 to 15% decrease in available students for my institution and for my area? All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. We know that this is a topic that, that a lot of people have thoughts and, and opinions on, and we'd love to hear yours in the comments of wherever you find this episode. Let us know and let's have a conversation about it and what your institution is doing or, or what your thoughts are on this data. Until next time. This has been the EduData Podcast. We'll see you in the next one. The EduData Podcast is part of the Enrollify Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like the other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month. We've got a plethora of marketing, enrollment, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks, all designed to empower you to be a better higher ed professional. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea and feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Jamie Hunt, Artist Kadu, Dustin Ramsdale, Jeremy Tears, and so many of your other favorite leaders in higher ed. And Rollify is made possible by Element 451, the leading AI-powered all-in-one student engagement platform helping institutions create meaningful, personalized, and engaging interactions with students. Learn more at element451.com.